BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Charles is ready to make his first royal tour as king as he makes some surprising decisions regarding Prince Harry. Definitely not. You know, it sounds like they're ha- they've had, you know, like ongoing communication. I think there's a decision to be made on whether they come or not come. What does their presence or non-presence look like or mean for this historical event? Rebel Wilson and Chris Rock take aim at Meghan Markle as Harry gets candid in a virtual event. I think Chris Rock was probably, you know, knew the pieces that were going to make headlines. You know, he's mm-hmm. been around long enough to know which jokes to make that are kind of going to, you know, give his uh, special more popularity, but it was an interesting conversation to hear. Plus what it means that the royal family invited Harry to the coronation, but kicked him out of Frogmore. Gareth Russell helps us break it all down. That indicates that the, the, the decision to remove Frogmore from them really was not as big of an insult as we initially thought last week. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina, that's Christine, and the royal news is back up and running. (laughs) I feel like we jinxed it. We were like, oh, just nice, quiet stories. And now we have so many bombshells to get into. Uh, So many. Before we do, we got to see what you guys had to say about last week's show. Poppy says, Harry should be ashamed of himself. And if he has any decency left, he would stay away from his father's big day and not ruin it. He's a traitor and hope one day he will realize how much he gave up for money. Um, a lot of people have that opinion <laughs> that he's a traitor. <laughs> yeah, so I think a lot of people are in agreement. Um, CA Girl says, nobody likes people who trash their own family. How can they pretend to be kind and compassionate when they can't even be kind to their own families? And Lenore says, the princess is amazing with her willingness to get athletic even in heels. They both seem to have so much fun together. Um, yes, it, I... It's pretty much um, an agreement across the board. Everybody is not really on the Harry bashing his family train. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. It does seem that like universally people can't really get on board with talking that badly about your family um, yeah. so publicly. So it's been really interesting to see that play out. It really has. All right, let's get into our, well, there's a lot of Royal uh, Harry news this week. <laughs> um, but so we got to get right into it and kick it off with the news that they received an invitation to the coronation, but whether they will attend is still up in the air. A spokesperson for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex told the Sunday Times, I can confirm the Duke has recently received email correspondence from His Majesty's office regarding the coronation. An immediate decision on whether the Duke and Duchess will attend will not be disclosed by us at this time. Buckingham Palace did not have a comment. We're going to talk a little bit more about this with Gareth in our interview, but Christine, were you surprised that they received this invitation? And do you think that they're going to go? Definitely not. You know, it sounds like they're, they've had, you know, like ongoing communication. I think there's a decision to be made on 
whether they come or not come, what does their presence or non-presence look like or mean for this historical event? And Gareth will break this down so well later on in the show. But, you know, this is a huge historical religious service. You know, there's so much that goes into it. So it's a bit different from just either they do or they go or they don't go. It's will they participate? What role do they have? What, you know, so it's the conversation definitely needed to be started now. So I'm not surprised that we're sort of hearing these, um, you know, this statement has been made. No, totally. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I, I never doubted that they wouldn't invite them. It would have felt weird if they didn't. And then everyone would have been like, oh, you know, that's how they're getting their revenge. And that's not the way that they do things. So whether or not that they decide to attend is still up in the air. But as we know, when they go there, they won't really have the Frogmore Cottage to stay at because they have been told to vacate the premises. A spokesperson for the couple's Archwell Foundation told us weekly, we can confirm the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have been requested to vacate their residence at Frogmore Cottage. Um, Omid Scobie was the one to first report it. And um, they said that the news was broke to Harry after the release of Spare, which hit, uh, of course, shelves in January. Charles allegedly claimed the UK residence was needed for someone else, which turned out to be Prince Andrew. The journalist noted that Harry and Meghan were less than three years into a long-term lease on the property, and they have stayed um, at Windsor home during their rare trips to the UK after the royal exit. Again, we're going to break this down a little bit more with Dar- Gareth later, because there's a, an interesting twist that has been reported about this. But um, yeah, they they were staying there every single time that they went there. That was supposed to be their primary residence. And now it looks like all those uh, renovations they did uh, will be going to Prince Andrew. I know it's it's really interesting because they did kind of have this whole spiel in the Netflix series about how they packed up all their stuff and moved away. You know, there's photographs floating around of them standing in empty rooms surrounded by moving boxes. Mm-hmm. So it clearly wasn't a family home anymore, but I'm sure it was sort of a safe place for them for when they landed. Uh, a really interesting story that it almost seems that Harry and Meghan are distracting from the real story, but we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about <laughs> it later. All right, Prince, stay tuned. Um, so Prince Harry uh, sat down with Dr. Go- Dr. Gabor Mate for a special live stream on March 4th. I don't know if anybody paid the $35 to tune in, but if you didn't, we're going to break it down. Um, the therapist asked the Duke of Sussex about accusations that he is playing a victim. So Harry responded saying, I certainly don't see myself as a victim. I'm really grateful to be able to share my story in the hope that it will help empower, encourage others, and hopefully let people understand that again, back to this human experience that we all in some shape or form are all connected, especially through trauma. He opened up about everything from psychedelic drugs, how his wife saved him, his kids. And the Dr. Matei offered Harry an official diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And um, he said, whether you like it or not, I have diagnosed you with ADD. Um, he also said that he suffers from PTSD from the trauma um, of losing his mother at such a young age. But yeah, there was definitely some interesting revelations the fact that he's not scared to admit that he uh, has taken some psychedelic drugs, said that his wife had saved him during a really um, obviously tough time in his life. There were some uh, some interesting things to this, but I don't know if a lot of people were happy that he charged so much money to tune in. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder how what viewership looked like because yeah. it was it was really expensive, especially since most yeah. people who'd be interested in this probably already had the book. True. Paying the fee to get another copy of the book right. was a bit of you know a false economy. But this was a really interesting example of something that we've talked about before, where Harry and Meghan and Harry lately especially really has to be careful with what he says because it's meticulously. Mm-hmm 
mm-hmm. painstakingly dissected. And even it seems um, in this case, the the guest, the person alongside him is also facing that hyper intense scrutiny because Dr. Matei is now being criticized for his official diagnosis with um, official ADHD organizations saying that this is, you know, an unethical way to diagnose someone. There's also organizations saying that Harry's statements about PTSD are, you know, inaccurate and harmful. And it's just an example of how no matter what they say, because I do think that Harry's, um, what Harry shared in this experience, he did out of goodness, trying to normalize the conversation, trying to open up the conversation to more people is now kind of turning against him and being, you know, hyper scrutinized and turned into, you know, something that's now become negative. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like what Harry and Megan really need to do is just kind of take a step back, reevaluate and, you know, let this kind of just let the dust settle for a little while, let everybody kind of not forget about you for a little while, but forget about you for a little while and then come back and do something good with this platform, which I know that, like you said, he is trying to do and he's trying to open up that discussion on mental health, but people are just not taking that seriously right now after reading what they read in Spare and seeing kind of the fallout from that. I just really think that they should kind of take a step back. Totally agree. This is the time to sort of quietly fly under the radar, do some quiet, low key work through Archwell and then come back after the dust settles, maybe post coronation with something more impactful. Yes. Make us miss you. <laughs> Let's just do that. All right. Well, the king and queen are gearing up for their first tour since Charles ascended the throne. Buckingham Palace announced that he and Camilla will travel to France and Germany ahead of the coronation um, for their first overseas visit as a new reign. They're going to be going for five days and it will take place from March 26th to March 31st. So right around the corner. While he has officially traveled the world for decades, this will be the first time as he will do as king. They said that the visit will celebrate the U case relationship with France and Germany, marking our shared histories, culture, and values. It also is a chance to look forward and show the many ways our countries are working in partnership, whether that be to tackle climate change, respond to the conflict in Ukraine, seize trade and investment opportunities, or share the best of our arts and culture. So yeah, a big um, royal tour right around the corner. This sounds actually like a really exciting mm-hmm. um, series of events. It's going to be a really glittering, very royal couple of days on this royal tour. You know, this isn't just the recent royal tours we've seen, like in the Caribbean, have been very casual. But this is like state mm-hmm. dinner in the Palace of Versailles, you know, glittering tiaras and ball gowns, mm-hmm. levels of events. And I think especially post-Brexit, these sort of tours really cement friendly relationships between these countries. Like they said, you know, seizing trade investment opportunities. Opportunities. This is, although royals are meant to fly under the political radar, this can kind of go a long way to keep those political relationships very friendly. Ready for it. So excited. All right, let's spill some royalty. And Sarah Ferguson is making the rounds, doing some press tours as she is promoting her book. And she says that there is no judgment as Harry and Meghan make their own way. She spoke, spoke to People Magazine and said, I don't believe that any single person has the right to judge another person. I'm not in a position myself to make any judgments. I have been judged all my life and I have no judgment on the Sussexes. She added, I think that Diana would be incredibly proud of her grandchildren and not just the Sussex grandchildren, but Will's children. So, yeah, I mean, as somebody that was highly judged for a lot of um, her choices and actions and was kind of shunned from the royal family, it's interesting to say that, you know, she's not going to pass any judgment here. I know. <laughs> she really is. You know, she was the most recent example, I think, of someone who just really didn't fit the royal mold. And so 
you know, stepped out of that royal limelight. And she's had such a diverse life since then. You know, she's written a number of books, children's books, young adult books, um, and has really lived an interesting life. So I think she could probably share some interesting perspective with Meghan and Harry. I think we heard that she sort of taught Meghan how to curtsy at the last minute as the Queen was, you know, en route. Uh, so I'm sure she, you know, could be a person of support during this incredible transition that Meghan and Harry are trying to go through. And it's really interesting that she's trying to stay mum, you know, no judgment. I think maybe she could be like sort of a maternal figure um, for them during this time. Definitely. All right. Moving on, because a couple of high profile celebrities have taken aim at Meghan this past week, Rebel Wilson being one of them. She claimed on Watch What Happens Live that she recently met Meghan and Prince Harry, and the two of them gave off some very different vibes. She said um, they went up to Santa Barbara. They met Harry. He could not have been nicer. But she said Meghan was not as cool as her husband, claiming she wasn't as naturally warm. And then my mom, being Australian, just asked her all these slightly rude questions questions like where are your kids and things like that so maybe that's why she wasn't happy I get that she probably was like why are you asking me where my children are I'm just out having a good time I deserve a night off maybe I'll give her a pass on this one (laughs) yeah I I can sort of see especially since she probably recognized Rebel Wilson who's very recognizable but she may have been like who's this lady (laughs) what's happening um so I can sort of sympathize a little bit although I've never met a rude Australian Right. That is is true. (laughs) All right. Well, Chris Rock also weighed in on Meghan Markle's allegations about experiencing racism within the royal family. Of course, she made those um, allegations during her 2021, which is crazy that the interview was like two years ago at this point. It blows my mind. Um, So he poked fun at her um, when she claimed that an unnamed royal relative expressed concerns about the color of Archie's skin ahead of his birth. Well, he said on his Netflix special that the comments weren't racist instead of referring to them as in-law S-H-I-T. Um, he, he explained, I'm like, what the F is she talking about? They're so racist. They wanted to know how brown the baby was going to be. I'm like, that's not racist because even black people want to know how brown the baby going to be. We checked them. We checked behind them ears. He addressing Megan herself. He went on to joke. Didn't she hit the light skin lottery? And she's still going off complaining. He pointed out that while it can be difficult for a black girl to be accepted by her white in-laws, it's even harder for a white girl trying to be accepted by her black in-laws, adding that uh, that it's really hard. So yeah, I mean, even um, hitting Netflix um, docu- uh, Netflix comedy specials. I don't know if, she, if she's very happy with that since she has got to deal with Netflix as well. <laughs> I know that'll be it'll be interesting to see if this story sort of plays out at all. I think Chris Rock was probably you know knew the pieces that were going to make headlines. You know, he's mm-hmm. been around long enough to know which jokes to make that are kind of going to you know give his uh, special more popularity but it was an interesting conversation to hear and i think it's been really interesting in a good and in the worst and best ways to see how this now plays out you know on social media people responding to it either supporting him or not supporting him and it just goes to show anything you say now can become you know part of the public conversation 100 and how the public conversation could change throughout these past two years about them as well because a lot they had a lot more supporters two years ago than they do right now so it's Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. 
Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Interesting how that narrative has changed over the course of those two years. All right. Well, it's time to break down the royal rules. And this week we are joined by our friend and royal author, historian uh, Gareth Russell, who's going to talk to us a little bit more about Harry and Meghan's invitation to the coronation and what it really means uh, about them being vacated from Frogmore. Take a look. Kicking off with the reaction of Harry and Meghan being invited to the coronation. Did you think that was going to happen? Are you surprised Um, or what did you think about this? I 100% thought they were going to be invited. I think, I mean, we've spoken about this together before. I think Charles III has been extending all of branches. We saw it with his first address after to the nation, after becoming king, where he mentioned, you know, his love for Harry and Meghan and hoping that they built a lot, you know, their life abroad happily. So yeah, I, I was uh, I was never a doubt in my mind that he was going to invite them. I think even after. The publication of Spare, I didn't really doubt that that Charles III would issue the invitation. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, the next question is, do you think they'll go? Should they go? Should they not go? What, no, what happens I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm slightly reluctant to like r- ruin my winning streak. I feel <laughs> like maybe I should like walk away from the table before the house wins. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm absolutely honest. I can't call it with the Sussexes. They're harder to predict. Um, I think, I mean, you can probably speak more to this, Christina, but I think like their approval numbers in America seem to be be quite low at the minute. Mm-hmm. And obviously for their brand going forward, I imagine that's not great. And and as much as as there may be critics of it, crowns and diamonds add sparkle. When you the closer you are to them, I think it could it, it could it, they might want to reinvigorate the brand that way. Um but I, I could also see why they might not um, want to go. They could feel nervous going. I think their approval rating, I mean, I know, sorry, their approval ratings in the UK are very low, but public opinion is a fickle thing that could change. Mm-hmm. So ultimately my answer is kind of answerless. I don't know whether the Sussexes will go. I could see good reasons for them to go, mm-hmm. uh, but I, but it, it might be something they, they don't want to participate in or they'll be nervous about the public reaction when they go over. Do you think if they do attend, obviously all hypothetically speaking, is this sure. a step into the right direction or do you think that they're just going for um, formality and just to kind of save face? Yeah. And, you know, do you think, yeah, I don't know. I think if the Sussexes go, I would hope, I think it could be a step in the right direction. I think there are a lot of... Um, jokes during the rounds in Britain that if they do turn up the royal family better um ask them to sign an NDA or check if they're wearing microphones. Right. But that I mean that's sort of like a <laughs> tongue in cheek Jai, but there is a sense that anything and everything could end up on Netflix or everything and anything could end up in a book and the the other party involved won't have had the right to respond. So there is 
I think there's probably a, a certain amount of suspicion of the Sussexes' links to the media, which is ironic considering Prince Harry's lifelong campaign against media intrusion. Maybe if they spend time together at the coronation, those doubts will soften. I don't know. But I think nothing ever really gets better the longer you leave the problem, if that makes sense. I, I think that would be my instinct. I could be completely wrong on that. But I think one step forward is, is better than not taking a step at all. If they do attend the coronation, they won't have a place to stay because they got <laughs> kicked out of Frogmore. Yeah. Um, why Why do you think that King Charles wanted them to be removed from the... Obviously, they're not there that much, so they're not going to use right. the, the residence. But why do you think that he told them to kind of vacate the property? So this really is about um, a hammer blow to Prince Andrew rather than the Sussexes. So this system, they're really... They're th- three residences at play in here. Frogmore's the one getting all the attention. Um, But there is a 30-bedroom cottage, a mansion called Royal Lodge that was built by George IV. And it was the Queen Mother's home home in the area until she died there in 2002, whereupon the lease was transferred to Prince Andrew. And a lot of these minor properties, smaller houses that the royal family own, there is a system that was set up in the 19th century where they're leased to trusted family servants, exiled cousins, or junior members of the family. And in return, these family members pay, I mean, way, way below the market value of these properties in rent. They don't own them. And But the flip side of that is that they are legally under a the responsibility of upkeeping those properties. Mm. So Prince Andrew has this 30-bedroom house that used to belong to the Queen Mother, and he's no longer a working royal. Mm. He was on a civil list on a, on a salary of about £239,000 a year, and the King has announced that has to be drastically cut because he doesn't want Prince Andrew coming back into public life at all. Prince Andrew then asked for a job running the royal estates up at Balmoral, which knowing Prince Andrew's track record with how he treats his staff, must have had every member of the Balmoral staff um, reciting the rosary, that it wouldn't happen. (laughs) And, um, and And the king has said that there is no possibility of that. So Prince Andrew's salary income is about to be stripped back way, way below what he's what he currently receives. And he won't be able to afford the upkeep of Royal Lodge. And the and the king considers it inappropriate that he, that he lives there. Frogmore is a lot smaller. It will cost a lot less money to upkeep. And also Prince Andrew won't have a public role, but he will still be under um protection. He he won't be at risk of kidnapping or terrorist attack or anything like that. But really, this is about getting Andrew out of Royal Lodge. And Prince Andrew is digging his heels in about um, being asked to leave very strongly, does not want to give up Royal Lodge, even though he he won't be able to, to support the maintenance of it. The other thing, quite interestingly, is last week, I thought this there was some piece missing from this story. Uh, and we now know, it's now emerged, that um, the, the, the king is offering, it's not so much an eviction of Harry and Meghan as it is a swap, because he's not only taking Royal Lodge off Prince Andrew, he's taking off Prince Andrew his pretty lavish apartment and suite at the heart of Buckingham Palace, and he's offering that to Harry and Meghan to use when they come to Britain. So Harry and Meghan will will be at the heart of Buckingham Palace, probably one of the best protected buildings in the world, um, in, in the sense that that will hopefully soothe the fears that Prince Harry has 
about media intrusion and you know he has voiced understandable concerns about his family's safety from media intrusion when they're in Britain. If they're at Buckingham Palace, there's there's no place that they will be safer from media intrusion. But also to give them a suite in Buckingham Palace at what is really essentially the symbolic heart of the monarchy in terms of, of the public's view of it. That indicates that the, the, the decision to remove Frogmore from them really was not as big of an insult as we initially thought last week. To be offering them a place, a, a very nice place, to stay in Buckingham Palace indicates a continued attempt at an olive branch. It also, however, indicates that with the removal of the Buckingham Palace accommodation and Royal Lodge, that there is absolutely no possibility of Prince Andrew ever returning to to public working life as a royal. That the, the you know the olive branches being extended to Harry, I think, are sincere. There's no olive branch being extended to Andrew. Quite understandably, I mean, I was asked, I was doing an interview about this last week, and for the BBC here, and they said, you know, do you think that Prince Andrew will come back to public life? And I, I jokingly said, there's more chance of the Titanic rising from the seabed. But I do, I actually stand by that. I think, I mean, he's just, Prince Andrew was a deeply unpopular member of the royal family, even before the abysmal state of his morals and private life became public. And so the the the, the judgment of the British public is that he's not fit to represent the monarchy, which is why the king is moving very firmly mm-hmm. to take Royal Lodge off him and to and to remove um, the apartment of Buckingham Palace. The Royal Lodge might go to um, William and Catherine. We don't know, but we do know that the king is trying to is really on a mission to slim down the monarchy cost wise, and a lot of these properties that ticked along in this system I've mentioned, the king just think it's it's time to cut them loose because they're they're you know they're they're sort of they're a dead weight some of these properties they're, they they can't really be justified in the in the current climate, but from Harry and Meghan's perspective in terms of public visibility. And being close to the heart of the monarchy, Buckingham Palace, that the suite at Buckingham Palace is certainly a boon if they choose to accept it. Yeah. Seems like another olive branch and a lot of swift yeah. uh, decisions by the king. I think that that's like a full olive um, yeah. So interesting that, you know, they could be, you know, staying at Buckingham Palace, which, like we said, does seem like a, a very big olive branch. I think I would not turn that down. I think no. a lot of us would be just fine with a suite yes. at Buckingham Palace. Sounds like a sweet deal for me. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into our pint-sized palace. And during that virtual book event, Harry opened up about the lack of physical contact in his childhood and how that shaped him as a father. He said, it leaves me in the position how, as a father, I have two kids of my own, making sure that I smother them with the love and affection. But in the sense that I, I as a father, feel a huge responsibility to ensure that I don't pass on any traumas or negative experiences I've had. And that's work. That's putting in the work and daily being conscious of my behavior, of my reactions to both my kids. There's, he said that there are times that he catches himself in a moment when he should be smothering them with that love. And in that moment, I might not be reminding myself to. I wouldn't have been as aware of it, of it had I not done the therapy and work that I have done. I mean, I feel like that's, you know, the right, you know, you always look back at your childhood and kind of want to correct the mistakes that maybe you experienced. And I feel like that's what he's doing. And it seems like, say what you will about him, but he does seem like a great father. 
Yeah, I think so. I think this is, again, opening up a conversation, normalizing that idea of breaking the cycle with your own children, which is something that, you know, a lot of moms talk about. You see it all the time on Instagram, these mommy Mm -hmm. accounts talking about breaking the generational trauma, not a lot of dads talking about it. So for him to talk about how he smothers his kids with affection, how he's gone to therapy, how he's breaking that cycle of generational trauma as a father and as a man, I think really can open that conversation up with a lot of other guys, a lot of other men and fathers who may maybe couldn't relate to that before and now realize that it's okay. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's an important conversation to have. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Royal ES. What a jam packed week. That was a lot going on. That was a lot. <laughs> a lot, to get, to, lot to get to it. I'm sure you guys have a lot to say. So please keep commenting, keep subscribing, and we'll see you guys next week. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.